from Lagos, the nation's commercial capital. This is the News at 10. Live from Channels Television. Reporting tonight, Ijoma Moyato. And welcome. Bandits invade Gada in Zamfara State, killing district head, two of his sons, and two other members of the community. President Buhari demands six-month progress report on activities of the Solid Minerals Development Fund, expected to provide 250,000 jobs. We continue our end-of-year review, and tonight we look at some major political developments in the country in 2021 and funeral activities for Nobel laureate and anti-apartheid activist Archbishop Desmond Tutu begin in South Africa. Plus we'll have international news from our London studio. On business news tonight, federal government approves release of 16.67 billion naira for payment of accrued pension rights to 2021 retired workers through the National Pension Commission. On sports news tonight, the Nigeria Football Federation appoints 61-year-old Portuguese manager Jose Pacero as the new head coach of the Super Eagles. And from Abuja, the World Health Organization partners Adama State to tackle cholera in communities. It's a sad day in Gadda today in Bugudu local government area of Zamfara State after bandits invaded the community, killing the district head Mr. Umaru Bawan Allah, two of his sons, as well as two other people in the village. Many of the residents, including women and children, were also said to have been kidnapped, but nine of the victims have been rescued by security operatives. According to the Commissioner of Police in the state, Ayuba Elkana, Police tactical operatives, in collaboration with the military and vigilantes, responded promptly and engaged the hoodlums in a gun battle. Armed bandits in large number invaded Gada village in Bungudu local government area, where they attacked the house of the district head of Gada, Alaji Umaru, and killed him, along with four others. Villagers and kidnapped some community members. Police tactical operation operatives, in collaboration with the military and vigilante, responded promptly and engaged the assailants to a serious gun battle. The joint tactical teams were able to disperse the hoodlums, rescued nine kidnapped victims, including a one-year-old baby. Presently, gentlemen of the press, normalcy has been restored in the affected area and its environment with improved confidence building patrol. Meanwhile, the governor of Katsina State, Aminu Masari, has asked residents to defend themselves against bandits who constantly launch attacks on their communities. 
The governor who spoke in Hausa during a press briefing at the government house in Katsina also encouraged the people to support efforts by communities to provide security. Away from security as part of measures to give teeth to the federal government's efforts towards diversifying the nation's economy, the president is demanding a six-month progress report on the Solid Minerals Development Fund. The fund is designed to capture accruals from investments. President Mohamed Buhari gave the directive today when he received the steering committee and management team of the Presidential Artemisinal Gold Mining Development Initiative at the State House. And in another meeting with representatives of the Manufacturers Association of Nigeria, the President promised the improved access to foreign exchange for the importation of raw materials and machines. Our State House correspondent Gloria Humezoke reports. Huge potentials from Nigeria's mining sector, particularly gold, continues to trigger renewed focus from the president as he meets members of the Presidential Artisanal Gold Mining Development Initiative, PAGMI, in the State House. The Minister of State for Mines and Steel, who led the delegation, immediately exposes discrepancies within the system. Yes, sir. You may also wish to recall that between 2012 and 2018, over hundreds of tons, valued over $55 billion, was illegally smuggled out of Nigeria, in addition to the economic sabotage. This bit of news might not have gone down well with the president, who had promised that the initiative launched in 2020 will elevate the nation's gold industry and potentially rake in as much as $500 million while generating 250,000 jobs. I expect a six months progress report that will clearly show significant progress by scaling up the program from its current final stage. The dedication of a portion of accruals to create a sustainable income stream from the Southern Minerals Development Fund is essential to delivering the mandates assigned to the fund. Through the support of the federal government, the PAGME is now targeting an aggregate three to five tons of gold over the next 12 months, which is expected to deliver huge fiscal returns to the nation. Now, by the same token, the president extends same support to manufacturers. The president made more promises to manufacturers when he met with executives of the Manufacturers Association of Nigeria in the State House. 
challenges inhibiting the manufacturing sector from contributing significantly to the nation's economy were laid bare. Manufacturers in Nigeria still contend with inadequate supply from the national grid, despite the significant effort and progress that has been recorded in the first couple of years. In spite of limited resources, the president assures of strategic plans to meet these demands. A strong manufacturing sector creates more jobs and wealth for our people. Nigeria will take appropriate measures to improve access to forex for importation of raw materials and machines that are not available locally. The president also promises to improve patronage of locally made goods. From the presidential villa, Gloria Umezuke, Channels Television News. Despite the gloomy outlook of the preceding year brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic, the political landscape in Nigeria was full of activities as political gladiators continued to position themselves for the 2023 contest. Our correspondent Binga Ashiru chronicles major political high points of 2021. Imagine from a year almost brought to a halt by the COVID-19 pandemic, that is 2020. Not even the political horizon was paired, casting a gloomy outlook on what lays ahead. I want to seize this opportunity to thank the National Primary Healthcare Development Agency for considering INEC as one of the frontline agencies to receive the COVID vaccine on account of the kind of work that we do. The crystal ball for the political landscape came with much uncertainty with the major political parties having to contend with the internal crisis. As the 2021 unfolded, the political atmosphere came alive, perhaps to a fevered pitch, and the parties set about for the Anambra governorship elections, and the Independent National Electoral Commission having to deal with the conflicting court orders for the party's authentic candidates, as well as heightened insecurity. Judo Keke was the valid acting national chairman of the party. And in that judge, in fact, it is a judgment. In that judgment, the commission was mandated to relate with the judo kk uh, as an acting national chairman and also to give recognition and cognizance to any party primaries he organized or conducted under the law however after a heated contest and a record low voter turnout professor chuku masolido of the ruling all progressive ground alliance emerged winner Little noticed, perhaps, was INEC's introduction of the bimodal voter accreditation system. Elsewhere, 
The ruling APC continued with its effort to put in place a democratically elected national leadership with little success. The convention to do so is now fixed for February 2022. In the case of the PDP, legal fireworks reached its climax when the court sanctioned the removal of its then chairman, Uche Secundas, as the national chairman. Chief Secundas is still fighting through and his case against his removal is expected to be heard by the Supreme Court next year. Political realignment also saw Governors Bilo Matawali and Ben Ayade defecting to the ruling APC. Amendment is approved. The National Assembly passed after a long drawn out battle the Electoral Amendment Bill 2021, only for President Muhammad Buhari to withhold his assent and sent it back. The fly in the ointment was the provision of the direct primaries only to select candidates for political offices. Other issues that remained a recurring talking point in the year included the state versus federal government value-added tax controversy, financial autonomy for states, legislature, and judiciary, restructuring before the 2023 elections, and the president's promise to consider the release of Inam De Kanu. Next by-election. In the coming days, this will continue to generate so much controversy, especially with future elections fast approaching. Benga Ashiru, reporting for Channels Television News. Let's get some more perspectives on these issues now. Our political correspondent, Benga Ashiru, joins us now. Benga, good to see you on this side of the divide. Thank you, Joma. Nice to be with you. All right, just briefly summarize this for us now, what the political tempo was like in that year. Give us that summary. Well, just like the report highlighted, you know, the, the year opened with uh, so much anxiety on the possibility of having uh, some of the key... Uh, political events for that year, uh, COVID-19, uh, which almost brought the, the entire nation and the entire globe to a halt. But in spite of that, um, the political climate showed a strong resilience. And uh, we, we, we saw the Anambra election in spite of the huge insecurity threat uh, by some separatist uh, group in the Southeast. But nevertheless, uh, even the attack, attacks on INEC offices across the Southeastern region, we saw um, uh, INEC going ahead with the forging ahead with the election um, November November 6th this year, and um, uh, albeit that recorded uh, a record low turnout. Um, one of the reasons is um, the leaked production and distribution of the PVCs, and also the uh, the novelty of the bimodal voter voter system. That's the beavers, and of course, yeah, looking the, into the an beavers. election year, what was the verdict on the beavers? Yeah, uh, we, we all saw what happened in Anambra election, which a lot of political bookmakers felt that was a litmus test for future election. But um, uh, with, with, with the low turnout, that, that raised, uh, that, that was a natural concern for many uh, observers of the political landscape in the country. But uh, if you look at the resolutions uh, at, of, the, of the Beavers, INEC would continue 
to use these beavers for future elections because most of the software issues raised at the uh, election before the Hiela supplementary election in Anambra State were resolved. And we saw an improvement in the uh, functioning of the beavers machine. And um, with, if the president could assent to the electoral bill, uh, that would lay credibility and legality to the use of the beavers machine for both accreditation and electro electronic transmission of results. All right, this conversation continues. Thanks so much, Benga Shira, political correspondent, for sharing that with us on the News at 10. Thank you. In part two, after the break, we continue our 2021 review and we turn attention to politics. This time, our guest is a former INEC National Commissioner, Professor Adele Ginodu. Do join us again. Back. If you've just joined us, you're watching the news at 10 on Channels Television, coming to you live from Lagos. A reminder of our top stories. Bandits invade Gada in Zamfara State, killing district head two of his sons and two other members of the community. President Buhari demands six-month progress report on activities of the Solid Minerals Development Fund, promises manufacturers more access to foreign exchange. We continue our end-of-year review, and tonight we look at some of the major political developments in the country in 2021. And funeral activities for Nobel laureate and anti-apartheid activist Archbishop Desmond Tutu begin in South Africa. take the conversation on our politics further. I'm now being joined on the news at 10 by a professor of political science and former INEC National Commissioner, Professor Adele Jinodu. Thank you so much, Prof, for joining us on the news at 10. Thank you, Gemma. <laughs> it's nice to be back. It's a court to duty. Indeed, thank and you. I was wondering whether you've lost confidence in me or have been blacklisted. <laughs> so it's nice to be back. <laughs> Not at all, sir. Thank you. But beyond the political horse trading that yes. we, we've chronicled um, in, in the last segment, what sort of leader do you think the parties should be looking to elect and the Nigerian person and the average Nigerian, what sort of leader should we be electing now? No, that, that, that's a very, very difficult, complex question. But I want to answer it uh, in a roundabout way. I think what we require now is a collective leadership chosen from among the professional classes, the middle classes, who will in fact confront the political parties and their leadership and tell them, now, get the, get the hell out of here. We've had enough of, of all this rambling, all of these deceptions, of all this impunity. We are now going to take control of the lives of our people. So we need a collective leadership from within the middle classes, but with strong roots among the people who will get up and start a new struggle. It may take a couple of years, it may take two electoral cycles, but that has to begin now because the political parties have woefully filled the country and all the rigmarole about the electoral bill is nothing but an attempt to preserve in, in a self-serving manner 
their political fortunes. How pivotal is that electoral bill? Um, what happens to it, I mean, um, if it is left as it is? Or how, how pivotal is it for our politics going the, forward? The electoral bill is pivotal, but it is pivotal for, the different, for a different reason. You see, the struggle over the bill now is not over direct primaries or indirect primaries. It is over the, the integrity, the accountability, and the transparency of the electoral process. And that is what the political leaders don't want. They are merely using this as an excuse. You see, to, to take an example, what do they mean by direct primaries? What do they mean by direct primaries? How can you have the, direct primaries have already been a problem since 1999? And that is why they've not been using it. And why is that a problem? It's a problem because they don't have membership lists at the world level where primary elections should start from. So if you don't have a membership list, how can you have direct primaries? That is the issue that should be addressed. How do we, if we are going to have direct primaries, where are the party membership lists from which you are going to, from which people have to, 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 to show that they are party members to be able to vote in the party primaries? We don't know, no political party in this country has a current party membership list at the world level where members join the parties and where you have a regular data of fully paid up members and you have regular world elections. So all this talk about the, the direct primaries, virus, no, it's just a mismatch. It's just, it's just part of this deception that what we need to focus on is the transparency of the electoral process through right from the way political parties choose their candidates. And what sort of, because I know you talked about collective leadership and yes. that should be the way forward. Yes. What sort of process should throw up such people? Well, you see, I, I don't know. It, and that's why I say it's a very, very complex <laughs> matter. But somehow it has to start. Some people will have to put their heads out. The political leadership now, the parties, they are very, very powerful. But then, as they say, this is a responsibility for all of us Nigerians. Eternal vigilance is the price of democracy. They have disappointed us. They have fallen far short of their responsibility under the Constitution as public authorities to provide for our welfare. And if they have done, then we need to organize ourselves under the Constitution to challenge them. It is, a, it is going to be a long process. It's not going to be easy because the, 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 the path towards it will be thrown with all kinds of uh, casualties. But it has to start somehow. And we need to see beyond their shenanigans and tell them to go to hell. Uh, my, just yeah. a bit of a strong language there, but yeah. we understand your point there. Thank you so much. Um, former INEC National Commissioner, Professor Adele Ginodo, thank you for joining us on the okay, News at 10. Pleasure. Thank you. And still ahead on the News at 10, federal government approves release of over 16 billion naira for payment of accrued pension rights, and that will be on business. The join us again. Back to the news at 10. Let's cross over to Abuja now. Here's Makwe Ogun Yusuf. Makwe. Hello, Idioma. 
Well, health is on the front burner here as efforts to contain the spread of cholera in the northeast state of Adamawa appears to be in top gear as the World Health Organization has promised to work with the state government in this regard. Now, this is according to the body's representative in the state, Dr. Sime Omoleke. He was speaking at an event in Yola where health materials were donated and an awareness program kicked off to tackle the disease which has killed over 3,000 people in Nigeria this year alone. Cholera is an infectious disease that causes severe diarrhea which can lead to dehydration and even death as a result of consuming contaminated food or water infested with bacterium called Vabrio cholera. This disease is common in places with poor sanitation, crowded areas or communities, and Adamawa State has witnessed an increase in cases and deaths, especially among the vulnerable in Demsa, Fufuri, Giria, Gombe, Newman, among others. Since the outbreak in September this year, sadly, this family has lost three of their children to cholera. I returned home to meet three of my children having diarrhea, so I bought some drug for them. I didn't know it's cholera. I left for market. Before I returned, they've been taken to the hospital. A day after, they all died. Perhaps it's why the World Health Organization, in collaboration with the Adamawa state government, are creating awareness on the danger of poor sanitation from house to house. At the Yola Specialist Hospital, officials of the WHO and Adamawa State Government are distributing health items and materials to limit the transmission and spread of cholera in Adamawa State. We appreciate the, His Excellency the Governor for all the parts he has played in the bringing uh, down this issue of uh, uh, bringing down the cases of cholera in the state. This is just. Uh, an occasion where we are going to hand over commodities, health commodities and other supplies that are relevant to uh, addressing the, the cholera situation in the state. The chairman of the Adamawa State Primary Healthcare Development Agency appreciates the intervention. We, at a point in time, we kept getting more cases. And now with this support coming from WHO, I think uh, the end of this outbreak is, uh, is, 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 uh, is imminent. With consistency, commitment and collaboration of this nature, the surge of cholera can no doubt be brought under control. In Abuja, some workers have resumed after the Christmas holidays, but the hustle and bustle is not quite in full swing just yet. Now, have you ever wondered what the Federal Capital Territory looks like when government offices close during the holidays and weekends? This next report by our correspondent Kayla Megua gives us a sense of what happens when activities move from the city centre to the suburbs. This is the Abuja Kefi Highway along the Marabanyanya Road. A gridlock begins here at about 3 p.m. every day of the week, and there have been times people spend the night in holdups on this road. But today, at 4 p.m., there's a slow movement of traffic, a very rare occurrence. No wonder the roads are not so tight this Yuletide. Residents who are spending the holidays in Abuja are waiting for the fish to finish roasting on the fire unwinding in places of leisure. It's not all 
civil servants that collected salaries, but we still thank God, we still give God all the glory for giving us the grace and giving us the more adobement for we to come out to hang out. I just came out here with my friend to see whether we can relax and look look around. Business owners say they are making a windfall this Yuletide. Combined with the drinks, with the frozen food and pepper soup, everything at least you can sell like 150 a day. We make our way to the central area. The usually busy federal secretariat is empty this time of the year. Not a single civil servant in sight. At the central business district, traffic is almost non-existent. One of the busiest parts of the Abuja city center is the Wuse Zone 4 axis, where the Bureau de Change operators do their business. The usually busy street is empty this Christmas. Away from Zone 4, we follow the free flow of traffic, expecting the usual traffic gridlock at the Burger Junction. This is literally unheard of. I am literally driving around Burger Roundabout with no hold up in sight. I'm not being held up at any point. Our final stop is the Kubwa Highway, a highway notorious for gridlocks at rush hour, particularly at the Galadima area. We are exactly at the Galadima spot of the Namdi Azikiwe Expressway, also known as the Kubwa Expressway. It is exactly 10 minutes gone past 5 p.m. and as you can see behind me, a free flow of traffic. The hold up on this particular spot of this highway starts at about 4 p.m. and goes on until about 7 or 8 because of rush hour. People who work in the city center are making their way back to Kubwa and other parts of the nation's capital. The nation's capital has been deserted for the holidays and its inhabitants will be expected back in a week or two. Kayla Megwa, Channel Television News. In the southeast, in Anambra State, Governor Willie Obiano has inaugurated another legacy project by his administration, the Orca City Stadium. As part of the ceremony, a friendly football match and other sporting activities have been organized to kick off events at the stadium. According to Governor Obiano, the facility, located in the heart of the city, means that international tournaments can be hosted in Anambra State.
which is the Anambra Babes. And they will be playing in the National League. And from there, our boys, one more time, will begin to sell in the, in the football market all over the world. Well, that's all from the Federal Capital Territory. But as the first business day after the Christmas holidays, what's brewing in business for you? Anwar Wado has details. Please stay with us. Banking so easy, so simple. Dial star 894 hash now to experience it. You first, first bank. Thank you, Malbwe. Hello and welcome to Business News. The federal government has released 16.67 billion Naira for payment of accrued pension rights to 2021 retirees of Treasury, funded ministries, departments and agencies under the Contributory Pension Scheme. In a statement released today, the National Pension Commission says the retiring workers will be from Treasury-funded MDAs. At the same time, approval was also given for payment of 2.5% differential in the rate of employer pension contribution for FGN retirees and employees, which resulted from the increase in the minimum pension contribution for employers from 7.5%. To 10%. The statement also adds that the federal government had earlier settled all areas of accrued pension right payments to verified and enrolled retirees up to December 2020. Kogi State Governor Yahya Bello has promised to implement the 2022 budget with utmost sincerity and accountability to effect massive infrastructure development for the state. The governor gave the assurance when he signed into law the 2022 appropriation bill in the government house in Lokoja, the state capital. He also warned all his political appointees to shun vices that can lead to corruption, stressing that all the resources meant for the state in 2022 will be judiciously utilized for the development of the state. Hence, we are praying that all of our risks will be geared towards accelerating the result and consolidating on all the achievements so far that we've got in the year 2021. In the area of the economy, we will continue to consolidate via infrastructural development. We will continue to improve on our security because without security there can't be any meaningful economic development in the state. As we all know, these days still remain the best in terms of security. Over now to the global oil market where international benchmark prices maintain a positive trend recorded in yesterday's session. But that's after latest report by U.S. government showed the country's crude and fuel inventories fell last week. Brent's crude futures climbed 0.37% to $79.23 a barrel, while U.S. West Texas Intermediate crude rose by 0.76% to $76.56 a barrel. Both oil futures contracts earlier traded at their highest in a month after U.S. government data showed crude inventories fell by 3.6 million barrels to 420 million barrels last week as against 3.1 million barrel drop projected by analysts. 
And to some company news now, the Nigerian Exchange Limited has lifted the suspension placed in the trading of NAM Insurance shares. And this is coming after underwriting company announced the conclusion of its share capital reconstruction, where its old stocks were delisted from the exchange, while the new ones were listed on the trading platform today. This exercise resulted in the changing of the entire issued share capital of the company's 10.03 billion ordinary shares of 50 kobo each at 2 naira 42 kobo per share to 5.01 billion ordinary shares at 1 naira each at 4 naira 84 kobo per share. And talking about the stock market, we got off on a negative start today. The color is red for the final trading week in the, month, in the year as investors resumed from Christmas break with intense sell pressure on some listed equities. Any John Mekwa has the details. Well, thank you so much. Welcome to the Stock Market Report. It seems Friday's positive trade was transitory as the NGX recorded persisting sell pressure, shaving 238 billion naira off the total market value on the first trading day after the Christmas holidays. Now, the Osha Index dropped 1.08%. Let's see the drivers of this. The only green counter is the banking, and by an appreciable margin, almost one and a half percent. Investors still have their eyes on the first year lender. Zenith was up 1.43 percent, Access was up 1.69 percent, GT also was up almost one percent. Other than that, everything was in the red. Industrial counter down almost four percent. Sell pressure on Boer cement was really heavy today. It shed seven and forty-five cobble. That's about ten percent of its share price. MTN, another major market giant, shed 70 cover by 0.38%. Oil and gas lost more than half a percent. No thanks to Eternal Oil, which share price decreased by 4.72%. O&O dropped 2.17%. Let's look at the consumer goods. It was also down by 0.16%. PZ pushed this down. PZ was down 8.96%. Major reduction on the counters can only keep the bear up. <laughs> Is the market getting bearish or just getting less bullish? Well, this doesn't look like the right time to answer that question, as investors may just be counting down to the year end before returning fully to the market. That's the Stock Market Report. I'm Ini John McQua. Thanks, Sydney. Let's see what will happen in the next two days. As for major global stock markets, they have ended today's session with mixed sentiments across board, with the Dow Jones recording its sixth consecutive day gain, while concerns over Omicron dampened European and Asian markets. Let's see the closing numbers. And that's business news. Thank you for watching. I'm Anne Umwawadu. It's back to you, Jonah. Down Star 894 Hatch. Now to experience it. You first. First bank.
Thanks a lot, Anne. The city of Cape Town has held an interfaith memorial service in honor of rights activist Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who died on Boxing Day, aged 90. The Nobel laureate has also been honored at various cities across South Africa today and will lie in state at the St. George's Cathedral on Thursday and Friday for the public to pay their respects. His remains will be interred on Saturday, January the 1st. For more international news, here's Simon Pusey with Around the World in Five. Good evening and welcome to the Channel Studios here in London with your international news around the world in five. The US and several European countries have reported their highest daily rises in COVID cases since the pandemic began. Huge queues have formed in towns and cities across the US as people inundate testing centers. More than 440,000 new cases were recorded in the US on Monday. France, Italy, Greece, Portugal and England have also reported record numbers of daily infections. Officials have said the high figures could be due in part to reporting delays over the Christmas period. One of the last pro-democracy media organizations in Hong Kong, Strand News, is shutting down after it was raided by police and senior staff were arrested. More than 200 police officers were sent to raid the publication's office. Seven people, both current and former employees, were detained by Hong Kong police for conspiracy to publish seditious publications. Hong Kong police said in a statement they were authorized to search and seize relevant journalistic materials. The raid raises more concerns about press freedom in the former British colony. Russia's Supreme Court has ordered the closure of the International Memorial, one of Russia's oldest human rights groups. Staff of Memorial gathered at the court to hear the verdict. The group worked to recover the memory of the millions of innocent people executed, imprisoned or persecuted in the Soviet era. State prosecutors accused the organization of breaking a law requiring groups to register as foreign agents. Outside court, the organization's lawyers said the court order was politically motivated. Iraqis have held a symbolic funeral for fighters killed in U.S. airstrikes in 2019. A military convoy displaying the faces of those killed drove through Baghdad's Martyrs Monument. It is the second anniversary since seven fighters were killed and at least six more wounded in the raids on both sides of the Iraqi-Syrian border. The Pentagon said the raids hit operational and weapons storage facilities at two locations in Syria and one in Iraq. The Bishop of Johannesburg has led a ceremony outside Archbishop Desmond Tutu's home in Soweto. I believe that he was motivated by his faith in the Lord. He told those gathered that Desmond Tutu had faith in God, faith in people, faith in himself. Thousands of people have made the journey to his home to pay their respects and leave comments in a book of condolence for his family. His body will lie in state at the cathedral where he worked from Friday, while his funeral will take place on Sunday. Greek divers have discovered the wreckage of an Italian submarine 80 years after it was sunk by the Allied forces in the Aegean Sea during World War II. Photos show the Jantina, which had sailed from the Greek island of Leros with 48 sailors on board, and sank in 1941 after being hit by torpedoes fired by a British submarine. 
She was discovered last month by Kostas Thoktaridis, one of Greece's best-known divers. A newly unveiled statue of Portuguese football star Cristiano Ronaldo is dividing opinion in India. It was presented in the western Goa state, a former Portuguese colony which has a large Portuguese population. Critics say local football players should have been honoured, especially since several past and present members of India's national team are Goan. But officials hope it will motivate young people. This is nothing but to inspire our youth. If you want to take football to the other level, then this is what boys and girls will get inspired, looking at him, taking selfies with him. And finally, a zoo in Ireland is asking people to send in their unwanted Christmas trees. <laughs> Elephants famously enjoy the taste of the pine needles, which are like sweets to them. The director of the zoo said lions enjoy the strong pine scent, while meerkats enjoy climbing through the branches. The trees that aren't used will be chipped for the enclosures and flower beds. And that's your international news around the world in five. Now back to the Channel Studios in Lagos. Thanks a lot, Simon. Let's take some sports. Here's Ayotunde Balogun. Many thanks, Ijoma. The Nigeria Football Federation, the NFF, has endorsed a proposal by its Technical and Development Subcommittee for the appointment of Portuguese manager Jose Pacero as the head coach of the Super Eagles following the sacking of Gennet Rua earlier this month. The executive committee of the NFF has, however, resolved that the interim head coach, Augustin Aguavain, will be in charge of the three-time African champions at the African Nations Cup in Cameroon, while coach Pacero will serve as an observer. The NFF says the tournament will provide a good avenue for Pacero to launch a working relationship with Eguavoin, who will revert to his role as technical director of the NFF after the AFCON. MFM this evening recorded their first win of the season in the Nigeria Professional Football League match. Day 3 played at the Taslim Balogun Stadium. Now, precious Roland got the only goal of the game in the 55th minute. Rivers United has ended coach Finiti George's five games on beaten run as Aimba head coach in the shocking 1-0 away victory in Aba. Olobi Stars defeated Shooting Stars of Ibadan 2-1. Sunshine Stars and Rangers International played out a goalless draw in Akure. The defending champions beat Gombe United by a lone goal in Uyo. Quarry United also defeated visiting Wiki Tourists by the same scoreline. Arsenal FC manager Mikel Ateta has tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss New Year Day's clash against Manchester City. The Spaniard, who also contracted the virus in March 2020, prompting the shutdown of football at the start of the pandemic, will face an isolation period of one week in line with public health protocols. Depending on his recovery, he could return for Arsenal's Carabao Cup semi-final encounter with Arsenal, or with Liverpool rather, on January the 6th. Sam Stoser will call time on her singles career at next month's Australian Open, though she will continue to play doubles in 2022. The Australian player received a wild card to play at Melbourne Park, where she has reached the singles fourth round on two occasions in 2006 and 2010. It will be Stoser's 69th Grand Slam singles appearance in total, a record for an Australian player and the sixth most for any woman in history. The 2022 Australian Open starts on January the 17th. And world number one Novak Djokovic has pulled out of the Serbian team for the ATP Cup in Sydney. 
Organizers of the event confirmed that Team Serbia will now be led by world number 33, Dusan Lahovic. There has been intense speculation over Djokovic's participation in the event, which begins on Saturday, January the 1st, and the Australian Open, which starts on January the 17th, with the 34-year-old repeatedly declining to reveal his vaccination status against COVID-19. And I'm Mayo Tundibalog, and that's a wrap in sports news. It's back to you, John. Thanks a lot, Ayot Sunday. And the main news again. Bandits today invaded Gada town in Bunguru local government area of Zamfara state, killing the district head of the community, Umar Bawan Allah, two of his sons, as well as two other residents, just as the police rescued nine of the persons abducted by bandits. Also today, President Muhammadu Buhari demanded a six-month progress report on activities of Solid Minerals Fund expected to provide 250,000 jobs. And funeral activities for Nobel laureate and anti-apartheid activist Archbishop Desmond Tutu have commenced in South Africa. That's the news at 10 tonight. Thanks so much for staying with us. I'm Ijo Mahunyato. Good night.